Thanks for tuning into The Hustle, a show about the ideas, processes, people, and cultures behind designing meaningful digital products. I'm very excited about today's guest. His name's Jules Erhart. Uh, he is a co-founder of Us2 uh, in their New York office and has been up to some really awesome things lately, not only in the, in the client services part of their business and the, in the venture side of their business, but in the games d- division, but also uh, he's been writing a lot of really cool things about the future of our industry. Jules, why don't you say hi and, and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Hey, uh, Hanson, pleasure to, pleasure to be uh, with you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Jules, just to correct, I'm, I'm a co-owner of us too. The, the studio was founded just over a decade ago by Mills and Sinks. But um, um, yeah, I've been with us too for nearly seven years now uh, and uh, on, on quite an adventure. I, I, was, I joined with around 20 people and uh, today we're 300 and something uh, in, in, in around f- uh, four countries. And I came over here four years ago to help set up the New York studio. Um, and yeah, my background, uh, what, I, what I bring to the table is a kind of commercial side of things. So uh, I'm from a very um, limited design and engineering background, um, but I've always been looking at um, what we sell, how we sell it, what the opportunities are, and how the industry itself is developing. So I've had uh, a lot of privilege us to to experience quite a lot of change over the last uh, decade, I guess, in terms yeah. of being the industry. Uh, and uh, and yeah, I've been on quite a ride since I've been in the US as well. So, How did they convince you to come to the States and open up that studio, or was it a no-brainer? Um, probably a degree of megalomania on my side. I, I, when I joined, we were something like 20 people in, in a studio in, um, in uh, um, Shoreditch in East London, which is the kind of, kind of design technology end of London, and, and a small studio in Malmö in Sweden. Um, and we got, we got to a point where... Um, I think we were like 80 something people and, and I felt the exponential impact that certainly that I could make had, had been made and I really wanted to set myself a new challenge and also, you know, every studio in Europe, you know, you always, uh, you know, have that kind of ambition to try and set up in the States and try and make it here as well. So um, it was, uh, yeah, new, new territories, new adventures and uh, wanted to kind of find new frontiers for the studio and what we do. <laughs> That's awesome. I think uh, for a lot of U.S. companies is kind of the opposite. Like my dream would be would be to have a Scandinavian studio. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a couple of questions for you before we get into the meat of today's conversation. Just because I'm personally curious. Um, sure. What were some of the biggest, uh, or maybe maybe pick one or two things that were the biggest um, times of change in, in the company as you guys went through these some of these bigger growth periods. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the lens I kind of bring to it is, is you know, design as an industry. Um, I think, you know, I think if you if you read some of the stuff I've, I've written, I'm always coming at that, that angle, recognizing that it's an industry, and we have a responsibility to to think about design as a business, um, both for what we do, how we do it, but also with the people we work with. So the lens I've always had in regards to us too is is how we represent ourselves to the world, and and like probably a lot of your listeners, our world. Pretty much, it was turned on its head with the with the iPhone uh, back in the day coming out, um, and uh, we us two itself have been in mobile for for you know as, as I said, I think eleven years ago, we've been working with Sony and a bunch of other partners. Um, but that was back when you're looking at you know three twenty before 80, 80 screens, and we were doing iconography and UI design, feature phones and D pad and all that. Ex- exactly. So that that's where we started. But you know, our world you know really changed with with the iPhone coming out because we were we were in UI design and mobile. Um, back when you know no one's really interested in talking to you if you're at parties and you said you're on mobile, 
Um, and with the iPhone coming out, it just raised everyone's awareness of user experience and um, and, uh, and digital. Uh, so that kind of you know the, the very high quality that us two always aspired to, um, I think resonated with people. So that that was the first significant change because uh, suddenly everyone cared about user experience. And I think probably that record's been paid a lot of, lot of times. Can't yeah. can't thank Steve enough. Yeah. Uh, and and the, the other the other question I have for you, I mean, first of all, I think the megaphone, the message from your megaphone is clear. You guys are aggressively independent, and mm. and um, even though I don't know all the details, I mean, you can tell that culture is a very important thing for us too, as it is with fun size. I mean, we we think of ourselves as a family. We're not a family. Yep. We use, we started out as a family run business. Now we're a family oriented business. But you know, we're thirteen people. You guys are yep. three hundred and something. How have you been able to maintain? Um, that culture at that scale. Actually, we, we got a phrase for it, which is "fampany," which is kind of an amalgamation of uh, family and company. Yeah, um, yeah, we're we're a really very personal space um, uh, at us too, and I, I think we recognize that a studio itself probably can't grow beyond a hundred and something people before you know the things we care about begin to fall apart. But you can certainly replicate studios. So you know, the London studio is pretty mature um, and uh, it's got that sense of family. It's a little bit older and a little bit bigger, but every time we start a new studio and we transfer some of the DNA um, and uh, bring some people over to help kind of set up a new studio, we, we can recreate that. So if you were to visit any of our studios in London, in uh, Malmo, in Sweden, in New York, or in Sydney, um, you'd, you'd walk in and feel that kind of same sense of uh, kind of family, as, as we call it. Um, at the same time, you know, it, it's it's also challenging because, uh, as you know, with uh, with the kind of family set up, you, you, have, you need to be able to have honest conversations with each other mm-hmm. in order to progress. So that you know, there's a risk of being too friendly. Um, uh, an environment that actually stifles people's development because we do need to challenge each other to do better uh, on a constant basis. Yeah, thank you, thank you for that. So, um, the other, I'd actually add the other interesting investment which I've got to thank our Scandinavian studio for is that we've got um, full-time coaches at us too. So there's a couple of schools in, in Sweden um, uh, and Denmark actually, one called Chaos Pilot and one called Hyper Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they focus a lot on on personal development, teamwork, um, team dynamics, uh, and uh, coaching in essence. And we've got full time coaches in in all our studios to help us with that process of kind of making sure we're aware of our development, how we're interacting with each other. So we invest heavily in it. It kind of runs through all the studios. That's that's freaking incredible. I, I'm going to have to come. Um, it's been a while since I've been in New York, but it, if you'll if you'll allow me to co work with something, I'd love to come hang out for a day. Something like Please, that. yeah, yeah. We want coffee and hugs. <laughs> All right, that sounds awesome. So you wrote an article um, this summer called "The State of the Digital Nation 2016." Uh, I was lucky enough to get a uh, get it a bit earlier, and I read it while I was driving to New Orleans, and it was so captivating that I, I couldn't. I just I, it was one of the first things that I've ever read word for word, top to bottom, and I think it's just just a very important. A piece for people to read, especially for those are that are you know building businesses and stuff like that in this industry. Thank um, you. It um, you know it's like the, in my mind it may be one of the most important things that's written this year, and I'm trying to get everyone to read it. I made it like I'm, I'm trying to get everyone at the company to read it, and you're and some of it is inspiring just because I think you're validating with um, with some expertise and proof uh, some things a lot of people are uh, talking about. And the the predictions that you have about what's necessary to you know to being a meaningful and to be actually quite honestly like 
a product design studio that can operate are there's some really interesting things there. So I don't want to try to paraphrase it. Like, uh, why don't you tell us about what this piece is about and what are some? Let's talk about some of the key the key things here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I first off, I, I really honestly didn't expect anyone to uh, to read it. It's, it seems to have resonated with the kind of design community and, and a, a fair a few kind of tangential industries. I mean, to be honest, if someone sent me like a sixty minute read on on Medium, I'd be kind of like, yeah, okay, latest. <laughs> um, so I was I was I was really surprised that it's kind of resonated and pretty humbled that you know people have been sharing about it and talking about it. Um, the it pretty much came. I wrote it because I, I'd, I'd reached after I think it, you know I guess eleven years in this particular part of the industry, kind of a a new chapter. I was closing a chapter in terms of being involved in day to day operations of a studio. Um, well, I'd originally come out to set up the New York studio, and, and I've just taken a month out uh, before I step into my new role, which is more about you know what we're doing, where we're going, the people we need to know, the relationships we need to cultivate. So I was at this real. Real stage where I was very reflective, and and I had uh, I began like I've had about notes for about eighteen months, and I began to draw them all together, and it turned into this a bit of a beast, not intentionally, but once it started, like all the stuff I'm passionate about, or angry about, or laugh at, uh, it, the kind of structure came together. Um, this article and- is so big, guys, that it's in, has chapters. Yeah, I had to, I had to break it and in, in, I had to break into four. The, the problem is it's hard for people to comment on it because it's so big. Um, but, um, but in, in essence, like, I did I did four things. I wanted to kind of take a look at the industry industry's perspective. This is all under the guise of like you know the, the digital industry. Um, and the, the first the first chapter is really the industry perspective, the meta perspective of of you know what's going on. There's been a lot of consolidation in our industry. Um, talking a bit about what digital product in itself is, and, and I, t- I had to do that through the lens of explaining to my mother, um, just so I could I could try and get it in kind of simple terms. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I still don't think she understands it though, but still. Um, and um, I just really wanted to get beyond the we make apps. Um, but uh, and then looking at you know the advertising industry and and. I did that because you know there's a lot of talent in that industry, and they hold a lot of the digital uh, purse strings and a lot of the digital talent. So, uh, and then looking at you know what's happening there between the ad holding companies uh, and the management consultancies, who I kind of call it the clash of the titans. So that was the first perspective. The second one is really the agency perspective, kind of zooming in and what that means for human beings, which is kind of you, me, your listeners, and everyone else who's trying to. Who's trying to kind of operate in this uh, in this environment of, of huge change and flux, um, and uh, talking about like agencies being brought and sold? Uh, what's the reasons by behind people buying agencies? Why would people sell? Um, kind of, I, I call a bit of bullshit on this kind of end of consultancy thing because a few studios have shuttered. Um, talk a bit about there about you know the need for our industry to kind of get real and, and move away a bit from kind of storytelling and story doing actually just getting on with shit and talking like human beings I, I feel as an industry we've we've begun to pontificate a bit too much and uh, that's certainly not the the reality that um, the reality that that you know if you're at the coalface in a startup or really kind of building products that, that we need to be in uh, and then I talk a bit about you know what's next which is you know which is the coming of the independent student the second coming because we we've all been through this in some way and you've got one of your uh, one of your uh, uh, companies in in Austin chaotic moon sold to fjord a lot of great independent studios hot studio and lots of others have all mm-hmm. sold to tech companies they've either uh, shuttered if you're Tino and Lax are a great yep. great company and they, they've, they've headed off to Facebook the founders um, and I'm really talking about this second wave that we're going to see in the but, future well before we get to do that let's talk a little about about this quote that you have in your presentation called the ship of Theseus yeah um, hmm. 
let me see if I can get this right. So based on what you said, so it's like when you acquire a company like TN Lax or Hot Studio or S2, right? You're yep. going to you're going to get their brand and you're going to get their talent for a time frame, right? Yep. And you're going to get some level of, a, of their expertise, but um, now you own this ship, and over over time, you know some of the the boards, the people are going to leave, and the boards need to be replaced. And after a while, like you still have this the ship, but it's just completely different. Is is that a right? Is that what you is that what you're trying to communicate there? Like the you know like what happens when uh, a company buys a, a hot studio? Yeah, I mean, in, in, in essence, yeah. I mean, the, the ship of Theseus is uh, uh, a bunch of uh, old Greek dudes talking about whether a ship that's uh, over time had every single plank replaced when it's been serviced, is that still the same ship it was in the first place? Right. Or if you want to kind of simplify it, uh, if, if anyone watches Only Fools and Horses, which is some br- br- classic British comedy, uh, Trigger, one of the key characters there, has a broom he's had for you know a couple of decades, but he's changed the head seven times and the handle ten times. Right. Um, and it's in essence that. It, it's that you know what what you're selling or what someone's buying um, is is not necessarily in a few years what you end up with. You know the the talent kind of floods out. Typically, uh, the founders often leave once they've had their own out. You know I've had conversations with people after they've sold and they kind of casually say, "Oh, I just got three years," as if they've basically written off written, written it all off and they're just trying to kind of see out three years. So the other irony is that you know the terms of those deals and the the income that those agencies need to generate over the time they end up paying for a lot of the deal themselves yeah. um so that's yeah that's what what it's really about and and you know and you touched a little bit of you mentioned us too in that and we, you know and, and before you mentioned kind of being resolutely um independent and us too we, i've never you know as, as one of the owners i've never once had a conversation in all my years about a sale or consider or that being part of our strategy or even being entertained now people get in touch with us a fair amount we kind of um you know which, which is nice it's interesting but like we just haven't considered it once and what you what what is in this piece and talking about the digital product studio mission really is really what we're trying to achieve it's like avoiding the, the need to have to sell yeah. and doing everything we can to kind of uh, avoid that because that's not that's not our uh, that's not our objective and never has been yeah, that's that's really interesting. Uh, one one time, one of our clients, a big Bay Area client, um, was at dinner with my wife, who's my business partner, and like I think they were serious. They asked her like, "Would we sell fun size?" And she responded with, "Yeah, for a million D dollars." Like she just responded with a fake number. Yeah, like, yeah. Look, we're kind of the same. We're kind of the same way, and we wonder like, are we crazy? Like to think that like. Um, you know, like I, I don't know, like who knows what we're gonna do? But I'm just happy with what we're doing. I just want to keep that going. Um, but you know, some people do the, do do that. And what where I interrupted you is where I thought you were about to go into. Okay, well, what's next? These people are have sold their studios. Um, they've gone to these other bigger tech companies or or uh, consulting conglomerates, and they've done their two or three years. And then what's going to happen next? Well, there's a strong likelihood that they're going to start new studios. Yeah. What does that studio? And I think that's what this is, right? What is the what does that studio look like? Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I, I spoke a bit about what I call the kind of second coming of the independent studio, and I think the, I, I don't see scenarios where that talent can be kind of retained, especially if you look at the kind of more alien environments of a you know management consultancy. There's a real clash of cultures there between you know the tattoo design crews and the you know slack pants uh, consultants, um, and. And I just don't. I don't see in terms of the, the type of work, the way it's executed, and and the culture of design in, in a management consultancy, how that can be can really house that talent. So, you've got you've got the more senior people who will have three, four year earnouts, um, and uh, they're going to stay hanging around longer. I, I I know 
from first-hand experience, a lot of the people who aren't, you know, owners and, and more senior, they haven't stuck it out very long, and, and they've um, they've kind of left left that left the setup and gone back to to studio spaces or startups. So, you know, really, with this massive wave of acquisitions we've seen in the industry um, over the last four years, I get, for me, it really began with Fjord. Um, selling to Accenture, um, and we, we and around that time we had Hot Studio to Facebook and a bunch of others. I, I, I created a, a list of about you know fifteen or twenty transactions in the piece. You got adaptive um, path, and you know like yeah. you know you know people are selling now to uh, big banks. And yeah, to banks or credit card companies, mm-hmm. and and for me, you know. I, I, I don't I don't criticize people who want to sell. Is, is any owner's right to sell their company? You know, that that's completely okay. Um, what I see probably is that that um, failure to kind of evolve the business model, or as as the Tina Laxtry called it, kind of reach escape velocity, uh, has meant that I guess you're just like looking at all right, is this my life for the next twenty years or, or ten years? I, I might as well like get that house or get that boat or whatever. Um, so I can, see, I can see why people do it. But for me, and, uh, and us at us too, we, we've never even considered that route because we're, we're trying to create a business that creates exponential returns and value for absolutely everyone, not just the ownership. Um, so, Yeah, so um, what's, what's uh, you know, I, I remember I, having a conversation with John Lax and uh, one, of the, one of the things that he just told me, you know, because this was, you know, a few years ago, he was like, you know, just keep in mind, like every year, you know, cost of living goes up and, you know, all these things. And, you know, you got to you got to be prepared to battle that with different solutions. Yeah. Not 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 just uh, revenue from client services. But think, you know, he was like he basically said, Anthony, just think about that. Like, I don't, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but you need to think about that. Yeah. And so that's that's one of the reasons why I, I was really interested in this article uh, not only because I think you guys have the right uh, approach here to like you know what it means to really partner with people to do things, but how to diversify in a sense to prove trust and you know trust that you can actually um, take products to market um, and a few other things. So why don't why don't you summarize if you can? Yep. Um, what what a digital product studio is or needs to be to be yeah. to be relevant. Yeah, sure. I mean, the uh, kind of just taking a brief step back, like looking over the decade I've been involved, you know, that us two's been in existence, as you say, we've, uh, and we spoke about the iPhone coming out, and then you know, then it was hot to be a UI studio, then it was hot to be UX studio. UX is a big thing, and then it was hot to be a mobile shop, and and now you really wouldn't be want to be a purely mobile shop, and and for me, it's for us two's evolution, it's been. Um, is going from being a user interface design studio to a UX studio to UI UX to a mobile uh, and, and, and now into a digital product studio in, in, over the last number of years. Um, and the point of that, there are multiple points to it. We don't want to be tied down by, by a specific platform. And, and I, think, I think a digital product studio will be kind of platform agnostic. You know, certainly if you're positioning yourself as a mobile shop, you, you're going to be in deep trouble in a couple of years. You know, there's no way mobile isn't going to go the way of web um, in terms of being commoditized. So for me, like being platform agnostic is really important. That means uh, being in products and services means that, you know, yes, mobile could be what we execute on, but it's actually about the service experience we're trying to build, the kind of product experience we're trying to build. And, and, the, and the, the touch points might be mobile, they might be VR, they might be voice, they might be, they might be anything. Um, um, but certainly it's, it's not for me as, or for us as abstract as just service design where it operates in complete, complete abstraction. But the, the point of that is, is one thing, like if you're capable, capable to operate in that space, you can remain uh, in the premium end of the market. 
And it's something I spoke about in the piece, which is about, you know, digital product studio will be doing premium work and charging a premium for its services. So um, that's important because you spoke a bit about what, um, uh, what John said, which was, uh, you know, be aware, costs go up, um, you know, your environment's going to be more competitive and, and you, know, your, you, you know, your services will be commoditized. So really it's your job to keep moving to the next platform. Um, and by being like product focused, doing design and engineering, which is another key component, being able to deliver product end to end, you're going to be able to charge more for what you do because you're delivering more value uh, and you're also kind of reducing risk. So for me, it's really important that Digital Product Studio is charging an absolute premium for its work. And, and I'd, when I say premium, I mean like justified premium. You, know, you should be at the top end of the market. You should be proud of what you're doing. You should get paid for it. Because um, if, if you start operating in, in, in a market where you know, it goes down, 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 then you're going to get these pressures. And, and ultimately, that's when you think you have to sell because uh, you're, not, you're not being profitable as a business. So for me, premium is really important. Um, well, yeah, for us, it us too. And, and you know, being confident about that. Um, the other point about the product studio is that you know, if you've got the ability to execute a product, and when I say execute, it's like you know, I meet you next week. Um, you, you're either, you, you've got um, you've got money, and we want to build something. And from that meeting, we can actually take a product right the way through to market. Um, and uh, uh, you know, do the, the strategy, the design, the engineering, and take it to market. That that's that should be the end-to-end offering. That's a really powerful uh, and actually like rare commodity that you have if you have that ability, because it's really hard to build digital products and services, uh, do the integration, um, and you know, for and, and deliver it on multiple platforms. It's not easy. Um, so. There's value in that, and that in itself is a commodity, and you can begin to trade on that differently. So, like, it's great to do consultancy work. We love working with the people we work with. Uh, we get to see, you know, technology that's going to be out in a year or two years, which is usually our time frame for our products that we work on with, with partners. Is like the stuff's coming out in six months, twelve months, or two years. So we we get to see future stuff, uh, and and deliver like little bits of the future, um, and. Um, yeah, so it's important you can you can you have that commodity, and you're not operating abstract, just doing strategy, or just doing design, or just doing engineering, because you can then begin to trade on that differently. So the consultancy works great. You've got to find exciting work that, that's kind of rewarding for the team, uh, and uh, and it's profitable. It's like at the premium end of the scale. But what you really have then is this ability to, to ship products, which means you've got other opportunities, which are um, you know moving by on consultancy. I think there's uh, you know there's obviously there's there's a few other spaces. So one's Venture. So if you are profitable, um, then uh, you're going you're gonna to potentially have some spare money to invest in startups, um, which is an opportunity. It's also going, you know, it's massively risky. So you pretty much need to expect to lose all of it or plan your finances with the expectation of losing all of it, uh, given the odds that any startup um, has. Uh, and, and secondly, you can either, instead of just plain investing in a startup uh, around that venture space, you can actually depress your profits by offering services to uh, uh, in return for equity. So it might be there's an interesting startup. It might be, it might be you know, seed, uh, which is always the early opportunity but higher risk, uh, or pre-seed, or even I might have done a Series A, but they might have a challenge of wanting to get, let's say, they're, let's say they're just an iOS and they want to get to Android. They don't have an, they don't have an, uh, they don't have an Android engineering team to build one is costly. It's difficult as well as very competitive for talent. So you can then engineer a deal and say, look, we'll deliver the Android and integrate the Android version of your. Uh, of your uh, of your service or product uh, in return for X percent of equity, so that's the other opportunity you have because you've got this 
this this uh, commodity, which is very very valuable. Like startups, uh, and to be honest, even some of the world's biggest companies and clients, which always blows my mind at some level that we're working with some of these amazing companies. Is like you think they've got well, they don't think they do have infinite resources, um, yet they still need you, uh, and you still need each other. Um, so that's that's really important as well. That you, you have the ability to deliver end to end strategy design and engineering. And I remember when you spoke about this piece last, uh, you know, I think last month, you mentioned about the marketing of it. And, and for me, you know, we, we're not from a marketing or advertising background and we don't do any advertising or marketing. For us, uh, our piece has always been at us too about delivering the product and that experience. And, you know, there is a bit of the ethos of the product is the marketing, but of course the product needs a marketing strategy around it. And once it's out, it's going to need kind of, uh, it's going to need support in that regards. But that's something we don't involve ourselves in us. And we're quite happy for other other companies and other partners to take that to take that forward. Um, so, so that's that's the venture part, the opportunity around that. And what you're getting out of consultancy, uh, which is a, basically a giant fucking hamster wheel. Like you know, if you want to build a bigger company uh, and make more money, you need to pedal uh, faster. Right. You get uh, to get a tick on more billable hours. You know. Yeah. You got to yeah, keep I, you doing the same thing yeah, over and over again. Exactly, you've got to feed the beast and then you start compromising on the kind of work you're doing. You start, you start thinking, oh, I think we could do the mobile ad buying for this app we've just released. And you start to get into this soul-crushing work, which is, can be really cancerous to your kind of culture. Um, so trying to get out, you know, one of the moves we made years ago was trying to get out of this very linear relationship between our effort and, uh, and the returns, which are plain consultancy charging on a time material basis, be it like daily, weekly, or, or monthly, whatever, there's that very linear relationship. I mean, the studio, the product studio of the future has to break that relationship. Yep. Because if you don't, then, then you're going to get to 40 something or 50 something. And go, yeah, I think I'm going to sell to management consultancy. And then maybe kind of like, you know, you lose your soul for the last few years and everything you've built and all the people you build it with kind of like just slowly drift away. So, Jules, um, I'm going I'm to chime in real, here real quick because there's a, yeah. there's a lot of meat uh, on the bone here. And you'd really have to. Um, watch Jules' video called The Agency of the Future or read his article, but there's a few things that I want to call out here. Yep. First of all, Jules is saying the word partner, not client. And, and I think that's, that's really interesting, you know, because in, in, in the material you talk about, we're, I mean, I think it, partner is a better word for a customer anyway, but, yep. but if you're talking about the startup space for sure, like yep. you're, you're saying, okay, well, look, like just get, get, get real here. Like align yourself with, um, with a partner who knows the, this problem space intimately and and where you're when you bring your own you know your own um, bit of expertise to the table and you work together to figure that out and and, and that that's 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 a something that I just I, I love like I love that that way of thinking about it I mean you know um, design you know design like like you say is is important um, but we kind of need to get off the high horse a little bit and realize that you know there's if you really want to change the world or do meaningful things as you put it you need to align yourself with people that are are able to do that. Yeah. And, and the other thing that, um, um, that you said in your, in your material that I liked was this concept of married and cheating, um, back to the, uh, on the, on the point of it, you know, only being capable in one or two parts of the pro, uh, of the, of the, of the service needs. So, uh, so the concept is like, uh, I'm paraphrasing from here, from your, your presentation, if you're only married to one part of the process, then you cannot truly be faithful to your partner. So, that was for me like big because you know we've only been around for three and a half years, but we've been talking about this internally about needing to dog food this, like you know, like needing to build trust so that we you know people would hire us to bring new services, new products to market, 
And you say in your presentation, like, okay, think about it. Like if you're if you're just a development studio, if you're just a mobile studio, if you're just a design studio, and you were to start your own company, would you hire your own company mm. to take that product to market? And I think that was just I I don't it was very powerful to me because I'm you know in and it's helped us I think at least have a uh, a perspective to help uh, solve, answer that question uh, you know because you know fun size um, we, we're a design only only shop yep. it's, it's 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 definitely made it easier for us to uh, curb our risk and stuff like that but you know you know I, th- I think there's there's a lot of power in these things and then the last thing that I want to point out is a is a quote and I don't know if this is yours or someone else's you put in your presentation but I think it's also very powerful. Um, that it's not about the ideas; it's about making ideas happen. And the only thing that really matters is whether you can take the, a product to market or not. Yeah. And um, and you can't do that unless you're, you know, like I guess these three these three components of the digital product studio, the client service, own product, um, ventures. Like you can't do that. You can't really do any of that, even charge premium services, unless you can bring a new company to market. So this is all like uh, really powerful stuff. Yeah, I'm happy happy to riff on a bit of the, uh, some of those topics. As you said, the thing's so dense. Like I, honestly, I, I had, as I said, like 18 months of notes, and I, when I finally got into it, I just it just all flowed. I had to actually edit out. Like uh, I had I had someone, uh, some friends at Marvel App who, who we published the piece on, uh, do a great editing job. Um, shout shout out to them. But um, um, but uh, I I think I had to take out like. 20 fucks and 10 shits because it was like over, over 14,000 words which is probably the longest thing I've ever written it was full of like I write kind of write the way I speak um, so that, that had to get uh, that had to get kind of trimmed down a bit so but like, the, like some of the themes like uh, yeah the, the, the partner thing is important to us and it applies on both sides like it makes sense on the venture space because we are literally entering into a partnership where I'm going to risk uh, depressing my profits by working in return for some equity some, which has a mythical value which hasn't yet been tested for a product we haven't got to to market, um, so there's a risk there. So you are literally partners in a venture. That there's risk on both sides. So that's that's natural. Like the type of partner we look for at us too, when we work in the startup space, you know, we don't work with uh, you know like a kid who's got some inheritance or Jack uh, or Jane with an app idea. Um, we we want to work with as a partner industry veterans who um, know the industry inside out, who see the opportunity, who have the contacts, a little black book, um, and uh, who can ultimately just be the CEO and, or, or, or are already the CEO of this thing and will drive it forwards. Um, that's really important to us to find the right, the right kind of partner um, because every industry worth, you know, as I said, kind of hate to use the word disrupting or getting into um, is a high walled garden. They don't. Want Want you in there? They don't want you messing their, their their game up. So you need someone who's already on the other side of that wall, and you can empower them with what you do in the in, in the product space by helping kind of realize their vision. And one example of, uh, we've done that is is, uh, is uh, a startup um, which is this closed an A round. Our first one we've done the, the closed an A round um, called Dice, which is a mobile ticketing startup where we partnered with a friend of the studio, um, Phil, uh, who's uh, from the music industry, kind of music industry vet, veteran, um, and uh, was behind Modular Records and and you know, we built a mobile ticketing app with them with all their industry intelligence. And it's been really interesting in that there's no way we could have walked in and said, oh, we're going to disrupt mobile ticketing for events. That's like almost a mafia-like industry. There's no way, like, you know, no way you're just going to walk in and disrupt that. And that speaks a bit to the other note of like us getting off our high horse 
like, no, you're not going to fucking disrupt healthcare if you design a healthcare app. You need to be having people lobbying in, in Washington to get that shit done. So like, I think we need to get grounded in what we're, what, what we're good at, which reflects on us too. It's like, we, we, we're not going to disrupt. We know what we're good at. We, we can deliver great user experience, uh, really solid product from a design and engineering perspective, and we can help it. You know, we're also us too's brand as it slowly evolves, and we're not nobodies anymore. Also helps kind of push something, push, push something out into the world. Um, but we will stay within that. We're not going to start going, oh, we can take care of X, Y, Z. And um, so we're, we're pretty grounded and we want to find the right partners. Now that's on the venture space. Like going back to the consultancy space, which I'd, I'd suspect most of like the people listening and, 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 uh, and also which for us, at us too, represents like a significant portion of our revenue, um, you know, like 80, 80% or 80, 90%. Um, so that's very much the world we're in and the world we love. Um, the reason we talk about partners and not clients there is we've really been trying to get away from this kind of uh, what I've come across in the States where people have this kind of vendor thing like agency vendor uh, or, uh, and uh, client agency relationship and it's really like an old school kind of shit flows downhill thing where um, you know, there's a disconnect, uh, and if something goes wrong, the agency gets blamed, uh, and uh, and you know, you, you, I, I see too often the agency isn't uh, emotionally committed to the goal um, because they're just the agency, and they're kind of they, they're on one side of this relationship. So for us, we want to seek partners, and yes, these people are paying us, and we have master services agreement, but we want to commit. 150% to what we're trying to build. And we, we can only do that if we're one team with our partners. Um, we, want, um, we want to build a great product. And that means also if you have that attitude, you're going to try and f- only do work that actually inspires you because you know, you're not going to, at an emotional level, want to get involved in projects that, that don't inspire you, just do right. for the money. Yep. Um, so that partnership is really important. We, we're very upfront with that, with the people that we, we work with or, or might work with because there's ex- expectations of partnership and partners are honest with each other. They, like, they, they know shit's going to be good. They know shit's going to be bad, but they'll get through that by communicating, by being honest with each other, by, by accepting when they've you know, not done something right and, and being open about that. So part, partnership or partners is so important to us as a philosophy. And we're just trying to... And any, like, any clients who... Um, you know, call the clients. Any any companies that are potential clients who like smack of the, I want an agency vendor relationship. I want to call you at like one a.m. on a Friday. I want to give you a bunch of requirements two days before launch. Now, look, unless we're building like um, equipment that's saving kids' lives or heart surgery stuff, you know what? You don't need to call me at ten p.m. on a Friday, and you don't need to send me something on a Sunday. And and it, it, it's really important that. Um, we have a healthy relationship. And the way I like to couch relationships is like it's all too easy to end up in an abusive relationship. And that's what I, I think that if you have an agency vendor relationship, it can easily go that way. Um, and f- for us, it's just about self-respect that you, know, you allow yourself to be in a negative relationship at a fundamental level. So if you have that pride you know, in, in yourself and, and, and respect for yourself, then you will naturally not get into those relationships. And it's a far happier, healthier world if you don't. So that's, that's like our partner philosophy on the consultancy side, but also kind of on the venture side. Um, the married and cheating bit you mentioned, um, yeah, that's kind of interesting. And, and it speaks a bit to where I see it's important for certainly where us two is and where I believe if we're going to have the second wave of independent studios, um, that we're going to be like, you know, there's people like Work and Co. Uh, who, who, you know, I love their work, I love their Virgin America work, 
and who came out of Huge, it was pretty much all of the product team uh, walked out of Huge one day, which in itself is like, I don't know if it's like, it's like four or 500 people in one building and on a couple of coasts. And, and you know, for, for me, that's not, that's not our scene. Um, the, 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 point about, uh, the point about that is, you know, this future studio, which we're already seeing some emerge, um, is, is going to be able to, um, to do design and engineering. And they're not going to be married to one part and they'll be able to see it through. Now look, at us too, we're not going to do as beautiful branding work as Pentagram. Uh, and we're not going to do as in-depth work as, as Wolf Olin's on brand. But in, to, in today's world, like, if we're trying to get a product to market, I've seen too often, like, I've, seen, I've seen projects stop for five months while it's gone to a branding consultancy where millions of dollars have been spent and like the whole project stops because they're waiting for a rebrand and you get this deck back which has like four or five pages of digital and like 110 about all the other, all the other expressions of the brand. That, the world does not work like that anymore. You cannot spend four months on branding or even three months. You've got you to be lean and agile about it. So for us, if you're, I, I see risk, put it this way. I've got a lot of admiration for these studios. I love, I love some of the output of these studios, but I see real risk in them just owning one part of the process, be it brand or be it just design. Because if you're doing just doing design, you're locking this inefficiency into the process because you're going to work with another partner, which has risk. You're going to probably work in waterfall. You're going to do a bunch of exhausting specification documentation, which is like, you know, defunct by, you know, by five months later when someone's implementing it, half the team's left, you, you know, you, the people who design aren't available to speak to the engineers, it's all kinds of risk involved in that. So for us, it's important to, to not be married to one part of the process. And that does keep you honest, we feel, because your, your result is a product getting to market. That's when you're happy. That's the objective is a product getting to market. If you're just doing strategy or just doing brand or just one of these components, naturally as a business, you're going to want to charge as much as you reasonably can for that. Um, but if you think about it like an old school way, and it's not old school Christ, lots of, lots of companies still doing it, you might go out to branding consultancy and spend, you know, if I'm talking about big companies, you know, X million on branding, a branding piece. Then you might go to like a, an innovation shop to work out what the service design is and do another, you know, you could do a four or five months, you know, global study and spend another few million dollars. And, 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 and you're just taking this awful waterfall approach, which is, just isn't the world that, that we operate in, that startups operate in, certainly not the world Google and Facebook and Twitter and Foursquare operate in. That's not the real world. And we're trying to operate and survive in the real world. Uh, and that's why it's important to us to get as close to that as possible, which loops a bit to the piece about, um, you know, what the opportunities of building your own stuff as well. Um, First, so, I got to say amen to everything that you just said. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So uh, yeah, if you do if you do these things right, um, yeah. some you know some of these things you don't. I guess you don't have to do all of them, but if you do some of these things, um, yeah. then you might be able to put yourself in a position where you can build your own thing. And in S two case, that has been several things, but one of the biggest successes that you guys have had is Monument Valley. Yep. You know, um, I know you got you. You're public. Uh, you're pretty transparent about the stuff. You you spent about 800k or something like on that, but made yep. made. I don't know. Did you make about 10 million on that? Uh, I think it was 15 in the end. We, okay. we open sourced everything because it was a it was pretty nuts, and we wanted to share the world and any learnings we'd had. But um, yeah. So how you know how are you going to make Monument Valley if you're only you know focusing on you know one part of launching a, a product. Yeah. And, and uh, that 800K, and you know, I'm sure you know, it was probably hard to do it, but you had the cash to, to do that yeah. somehow. And it generated a return that I feel 
allows you guys to say uh, aggressively independent and, yeah, and do the, yeah. and do all these other things. And yeah. you know, I think you know, I think it's interesting. Um, I think a lot of people that listen to the show are um, small small studios, freelancers. We, we, I don't know. We may have bigger companies, whatever. I, I don't know. But these kinds of things are things that um, that, I, that I I I think about this stuff like all day, every day. And it's really great to, you know, to be able to learn from uh, people like us too, who have um, been doing this for a while and um, can, and, and are willing to share this with the world, you know, and, you know, for the better of our betterment of our industry. And I think it's great. Yeah. No, thank you. I mean, the, the thing about, the thing about um, it is we definitely haven't got everything worked out at all. Like we just haven't majorly fucked up yet. Um, if you've got people listening who are smaller shops, that was exactly us. Like, you know, whatever, four or five years ago when we were, or just when earlier, early in that, when the iPhone came, we just wanted to make stuff and, and some of it wasn't profitable. I mean, there's a long trail of corpses till you get to Monument Valley. We spent a lot of money trying to work stuff, you know, work stuff out. Um, and uh, so we haven't got everything right. The model I'm talking about is like the, our North Star, and um, we're, we're happy to share in experiences along the way. But like, if you talk about like people being interested in creating their own stuff, that's what we were doing a number of years ago. Some of it ended up being great marketing. Some of it was free, and we did a great. You know, one of uh, the the apps I've always loved was Rando, which is a antisocial photo sharing app where. You take a photo and send it to a stranger somewhere on the planet, um, and you you get one in return from a stranger somewhere else. So you might I might take a photo of the Statue of Liberty, and because I'm on a boat, and then I send it out. It ends up in Vladivostok, Moscow. In return, I get a picture of a mall in Tokyo, and you never get to meet these people. We didn't build any social functions into it. it didn't make any sense from a marketing perspective because there was no way of like adding users or being social. You couldn't even share the photos externally. People had to take a screenshot and like and and share it that way. Um, but like, look, you you gotta you if if you you've got to make stuff. Making your own stuff keeps you pretty honest because there's no there's no greater degree of honesty. Like you're not going to waste or pad anything if you're building your own stuff. Uh, and I, we always think it's important to to have, have tried to learn and, and refine the way we do things. There shouldn't really be a different way of doing things between consultancy work, venture work, or working your own stuff. Uh, and f- that mix for us being in the pressure environment of a startup and being responsible for answering to boards in terms of product development or working with giant tech companies or just interesting tech companies and their products, uh, which is a different kind of pressure and, and a different kind of vehicle, or just working on your own, or, or your own stuff, they, they all like, are helping us calibrate how we work because we definitely don't have it right yet. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, we're not, never going to pontificate about how you should do shit. Well, uh, we're you, just sharing you, you always, like, like you said, you always have to be learning, right? Like, yeah. I mean, if you if you think you got it figured out, then you don't. Yeah, screwed. And yeah, you're you're totally fucked. And yeah, so, like, yeah. you know, people that I work with uh, probably think uh, I'm, I'm nuts. You know, I think you got to be fearless to just try things and you know and and iterate on your agency like it was a product. Yeah. Uh, you know, because you know you kind of got to get into some sort of groove. But one thing's for sure, in my opinion, if you if you keep doing something one way, that's only going to last so long. Yeah, absolutely. I, I expect. You know, even this with this North Star stuff that, you know, we, we might take a different course. I mean, I'm happy to like, you know, the learnings we've had over the 10 years, like w- what we've done in us two recently uh, in the last year was kind of go into this more mature kind of group structure where, um, so we, we split out, you know, the games team is now us two games. It's got its own studio now. Soon we'll have in the, in the south of London, it's got its own studio. It's nearly 20 people. They're working on some really cool, exciting shit. Um, we've got the studios as, as all grouped together under one company. We set up a ventures arm, 
which kind of looks after our you know relatively minor investments in startups and, and equity we've acquired through services for equity uh, with with people focused on just making that work um, uh, and uh, and that all sits in our group structure so we're in each of those different structures has like incentive mechanisms that that reflective of the games industry or the studio industry or or kind of venture so you know we've we've grown up a lot and and we definitely want to share everything we like you know crazy it might not work but um but it's it's been it's been pretty cool so far we've had to grow up a lot in the last year kind of freaked out a bit like recently once we realized how many people we got how many souls are on the ship and uh, we need to we need to get real. Well, I think uh, it's awesome. You know, like um, over the over the last year, it's probably been the most challenging for Natalie and I as we realized, okay, we got to be really clear about uh, our you know our why statement and how you know what our north star is uh, and all this stuff. And, and it's really awesome to point at like you know like you know I'm I'm a huge fan. Like I don't work for us too, you know. But you know if I wasn't doing fun size, I definitely would. Um, but you know I think I can clearly point to you guys and say like okay maybe they don't have it all figured out, but it is possible for people to do what they love doing, do the best work they can, align with people that are, you know, experts in their own industries, be in de- and do this and be independent and and be able to navigate this very uh, these very chaotic waters that that, yeah. that we're on. And I don't know, dude. I, I just think that's really inspirational. So I I just have a couple of things uh, to ask you to sort of you know. Um, before we depart here, the first one is: um, How did it feel to see Monument Valley on House of Cards? Yeah, uh, that that was pretty cool. I mean, they, they we were asked a lot whether we paid to do that, but no, the, the writers wrote, reached out and because um, uh, because they loved it, and um, and um, we ended up doing a special version for for um, the president. Uh, that was that was great, and the crazy thing was like you know we we opened we showed all the the, the sales bump we got out of Monument Valley, but I was I got like I'm on Tweet Deck and I've got like a permanent search on for Monument Valley, and it was quite funny because when Monument Valley came out in different languages, like you know or people binge watch it at different times, there'd be this explosion of tweet of tweets of like Frank Underwood's playing Monument Valley, holy fuck! Um, so it felt felt great because. In a way, like Monument Valley is like you know, it could have just bombed. Like we we knew we it was special when we started prototyping in the studio, uh, but, but it could have bombed. Like you know, there's lots of amazing, beautiful games uh, and experiences out there that don't get that traction. Um, it, the premium approach where we wanted to sell it, you know, for money for the price of a mocha frappa, frappuccino, whatever, uh, was crazy. We people had people outraged that we were asking for actual money for something we'd spent eight months making. Um, but it, it felt it felt great. It's been you know, Monument Valley for for me is the, the gateway drug to us too. Uh, it's, it's weed, uh, if you know <laughs> what I mean. So and that, a lot of people come across us and uh, because of it. But it, it represents in terms of our numbers, it's like twenty people out of three hundred and something. Um, but it's it's been great, and and people want to hang out, which is which is super cool. But you know, it could have easily not could have easily not not worked. But we've been lucky. But, and, and the next thing may not work either, but at least you, you know, you guys are going to, you know, you can do it and you, you'll try to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and the, the last thing, and we can follow up this later, but, uh, if you're going to be down here giving your talk, uh, for South by Southwest, we might as well start talking about getting a, a group together of, uh, other, you know, agency owners that are coming in town for South by Southwest and, and make something like this happen. Like, uh, another, t- another talk about this. And if you're not sick and tired of talking about it by then. <laughs> 
No, I'm 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 happy to like again. I've I've been pretty like sideswiped by people actually. Yeah. Something I wrote, <laughs> eight people getting over through a 16 minute read. I've begun to kind of serialize it and break bits out and post those individually. But I'd love to when I'm down in Austin. I've got. I'm gonna try and. Uh, I'm, I've I've submitted it for the Southwest uh, Southwest Southwest panel picker. Um, so I'd love anyone listening to see if they can dig it out, stay the digital nation and, uh, upvote it. Cause I'm going to try and get on stage for one hour. It'll be like that John Mader one, but with potty mouth basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'd, I'd, I'd like to like, and it's not just agency owners, like we're all, like everyone's in this industry, like, you know, be engineer, design, product manager or whatever, like we, we care about what we're doing and it's, this is just really about the environment in which we're doing it. So I, I, I hope if I get to talk about it, we can like have a nice 20 minutes of like open discussion with people. Um, cause we've really got to be, and I think that's the danger of like lack of independent studios now is like people are comfortable, um, or they're frustrated, but don't give a shit cause they're doing an earn out. Uh, and our industry is suffering for it. If we're not talking about the stuff we care about, what's right, what's wrong, what the opportunities are, then like, you know, it's, it's, it's not healthy. Um, so we need pissed off people, need angry people, need people to voice up. Like I'm lucky, us two is lucky because we, we really like not interested in anyone buying us uh, and we just call things, you know, uh, hopefully how they are. Probably wrong a lot of the time, but at least we're honest about it. Probably cop some, cop some shit for it as well, but that, that's okay as well. Well, that's awesome. Um, for those of you who are listening, please check out uh, Jules YouTube video, "The Agency of the Future," and um, and search for that same title, "The Agency of the Future," uh, on South by Southwest Panel Picker. Vote it up if you love this topic. And if you are running an agency, you must read "The State of the Digital Nation" twenty sixteen, which is published on Marvel Apps Blog. Jules, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to come on the show and and talk with me it's been a real uh pleasure to meet you and uh, i hope that uh this conversation doesn't uh doesn't end here i hope we can uh, keep it going awesome i i really appreciate it and uh, pretty humbled that uh you reached out and, and people are reading it so uh, i definitely look forward to like following on over a cold uh cold beer or glass of wine that sounds good i'm looking forward to it until then um please tell our listeners how they can um, learn more about you and us too. Yeah, uh, us too. I, I guess through Twitter, but we're us too. dot com. U S T W O. dot com. I'm at Easy Jules E Z Y uh, J U L E S, or for Americans, Easy Y J U L E S. Uh, and uh, or if you just look up State of the Digital Nation 2016, uh, we write a lot about stuff we see and feel. So you should be able to find us somewhere on the internet. That's awesome. Thanks, Jules. Cool. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Peace. Cheers. See you next time. This episode of Hustle is brought to you by The Iron Yard. Learn to code and take charge of your career at theironyard.com. Hustle is brought to you by FunSize, a digital product design studio that crafts delightful digital user experiences with inspiring product companies. Follow us at HustleCast and FunSize on Twitter.